your Bible, or it will be on the screen, I trust, also. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. And I'm just going to read, rather than what it says in the bulletin, instead of through verse 34, I'm going to read through verse 24. Matthew 6, 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You just can't do it. If you're faced with a test, if you're sensing a conflict in your spirit, if you're sensing a conflict in your outlook, the place to always go is to ask yourself this question. What is my God like? The Christian life isn't easy, but it's simple. The issues are, all, are simple. What is God like? And if I have a correct understanding of what God is like, that will clarify the choice, what I am to value and the choices that I am to make. What is the promise that the God who discloses himself in this book through the prophets and the apostles and their companions, the writers of this book, which the ultimate author is God the Holy Spirit, what is it about him that we are to get that he has addressed every issue with a far better solution than we could ever contrive on our own. One of the <laughs> tests of being a parent is when you watch your children making foolish decisions. How can I wisely, and of course their age makes a great deal of difference, how can I wisely shepherd my child away from foolishness to wisdom? 
and the way, if they're a tiny toddler, <laughs> all the way up to an adult who's already moved out of the house and your what tools you have change drastically. But our God is at work in our lives, hovering over us for what purpose? He wants to shepherd us into wisdom and to the blessing that accompanies the wisdom. And I keep camping on these three aspects of our Lord. He is good, he is wise, and he has all power. If you get a hold of those three realities about our God, he is good. You cannot contrive a better blessing than he has prepared for you, both immediately and ultimately. He's good. He's wise. He knows how to bring things to pass. And he has the power to do it. He's not just well-intentioned. He has the power to bring it to pass. As we are reading this Sermon on the Mount, what is the Sermon on the Mount? Essentially, it's Jesus. Okay, folks, here is the kingdom plan. Here is the kingdom plan that Jesus is speaking to the people who have come to him on the mountain. Here's the kingdom plan. Here are the things you must grasp. And if you grasp them, then you can walk in kingdom direction and glory. And the outcome for you will be glory. Just in the Sunday school class earlier, we were being, I would say examining, but really being examined by 1 Peter chapter 5. And Peter says, I am a shepherd. And I'm addressing you in Chapter 5 is addressed to the shepherds, to the elders of the church. I am a shepherd who has witnessed the suffering of Christ, who has also witnessed the glory of Christ. He saw it in the resurrection and on the Mount of Transfiguration. A witness of the glory. And that is the glory into which he is purposing to shepherd every one of us. Ariana, God loves you. You came in here with crutches. Let's pray for Ariana right now. I don't know what put her on crutches. Lord Jesus, we ask that you will cleanse Ariana of the physical problem that is putting her on crutches. We're asking that you would make them completely unnecessary. But Lord, far more than that, we are asking for outrageous kingdom glory in her life to your praise amen. amen but you know what folks no matter how much glory you might experience in the here and now you don't we you and i don't even have the frame of reference for heaven kingdom glory we have only ever lived on a planet that is under a curse we ourselves by the grace and power of god as he made known the gospel has extracted us from the grip of satan and brought us into a relationship with him so we can authentically say of the holy god he is my father 
but we haven't stepped into the fullness of what that means until we step into his living room. <laughs> There's a throne in his living room that we're all going to be standing around and we're going to be in his living room one of these days. Many of us have wonderful recollections of family times and gathered around like on a Christmas morning. <laughs> That's what we're going to experience in the presence of the holy God and he will be handing out the rewards, the presents. And we will be blown away. When you were a kid, did you ever get a present you absolutely weren't expecting? We're going to be overwhelmed with presents we weren't expecting because we don't, right now, we don't even have the frame of reference in this fallen world as and as fallen people, even though redeemed, still fallen people, we don't even have the frame of reference of what a real fantastic reward looks like. But we're going to. You can all reach over and touch somebody else right now. The day, I don't, I'm not telling you you have to do this. Okay, I'm not, but I, I'm just saying that day is coming that you will be able to do that in the presence of God. It's going to happen and when it happens it will have happened forever now what i'm telling you is this most fundamental of the fundamentals of the fundamentals of the christian promise but it's the thing we all need to be reminded of every day that day is coming so satan go peddle your papers somewhere else world system go peddle your papers somewhere else Take your, the things that you value and throw them in the junkyard because by comparison to what God promises me, that's what they are, junk. And yet there have been people who ought to have known better in the history of Christianity. I'm, I'm just going by the scripture record here. I'm sure we could multiply this by the millions, unfortunately. But we have, for example, in the book of Joshua, when Israel invades the land and they're coming in and they conquer Jericho, one of the things that God commanded of them and that they agreed to was that the plunder from the other cities would be divided amongst them. But the plunder from the first city that was conquered, Jericho, would all go to God and become useful for building for the tabernacle and so forth later, would all belong to God. And there were anywhere from two and a half to four million Jews that went through across the dried up riverbank of the Jordan. They came to Jericho. They absolutely obeyed God except for one guy. Achan was one of those soldiers and when they conquered Jericho, he came, he charged into one house, and right there was this fancy Babylonian garment. Now think about the stupidity of, the, stupidity of this. I'm going to steal that beautiful suit of clothes. I'm going to hide in one of these days. I'm going to parade around the camp in this Babylonian garment. These people have been together for 40 years. 
They know what's in everybody's wardrobe. <laughs> How in the world? I'm going to steal this and somehow I'm going to hide it away and then I'm going to parade around someday in the future and they're not going to figure it. And he also sees 200 pieces in that same home, 200 pieces of silver and a bar of gold. And he takes them all into his tent and he buries them. Now, he can't do that without the family knowing what's going on. So they have joined with him in this conspiracy of silence. And so the, then the next enterprise for Israel is they're going to go and attack the city of Ai. And they attack the city of Ai with the promise from God that they're going to be victorious. In every, and they get defeated. Wait, 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 wait. What happened, God? Why did we get defeated? What's going on? We had a promise of certain victory from you because there is sin in the camp. And so they cast lots and they cast lots and it came down to Achan and he confessed. And so what was supposed to be that treasure became the cause of his and his families because they were part of the conspiracy. They were all stoned to death. Rather than being patient with God for the blessing that would come, he decided he would make it, he would solve that problem himself. He would deal with that issue himself. And it did not work out well. Solomon, this is the author of the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon the author of three books, a man renowned for his wisdom, and yet he allowed his lust for wealth and sex to destroy him. It destroyed him, and it caused the reality that when his son became king, as God had said ahead of time it would happen, most of the kingdom was yanked out of their hands, the ten northern tribes went off and became the separate nation of Israel versus the two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin that were all that was left to the house of David. Thank you, Solomon. In the New Testament, you've got a couple, Ananias and Sapphira, found in the book of Acts. The narrative is about them. And there is a fellow, they're in the church in Jerusalem. The generosity of the people is an incredible, huge testimony to all the people of Jerusalem because there were lots of people there on the day of Pentecost in particular who were from surrounding nations. And because they came to faith in Jesus Christ that day and subsequent days, they are staying, they're extending their stay in Jerusalem. So there's a great need placed on the, particularly the Jews who were already who are regular residents of Jerusalem to help these people out. And there's a fellow named Barnabas, whose very name means son of encouragement. It was a name given to him by the apostles. He sold a piece of property, brought the entire value of that property, and simply gave it to the church. Now, he wasn't seeking attention. But Ananias and Sapphira were aware of it, and they thought, oh, you know, we'd like to get the attaboys that Barnabas got. But they didn't do the same thing. Yes, they sold a piece of property. But unlike Barnabas, they did not bring the entirety of what it sold for to the apostles. Now, that was perfectly up to them. They didn't have, there was no mandate. There was no command placed on them. 
They could have said to the apostles, we sold our property and here's half the money or 80% of the money or not. That's not what they did. They kept back part of the sale price, but they told the apostles that what they were giving was the entirety of the money they received. And one at a time, Ananias came in with the, uh, with the gift and the Holy Spirit had alerted Peter. And he said, Ananias, is this the entire sale price? Well, yes, absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. You need to give me a Barnabas attaboy. And may your gold perish with you. And he died right there. A couple of hours later, and they hauled off his body. A couple of hours later, Sapphira, his, walk come, his wife, comes walking in, and she repeated his story. And she, too, fell dead right there. God is very, very adamant about the integrity of his body of his people liars are not suffered well by god the god of truth but what had taken hold of them there's another one demas spoken of by paul in his very last letter demas had been a very powerful consistent disciple of Jesus working alongside Paul but in the very last letter we have from Paul's pen 2 Timothy 4.10 Paul writes of Demas that he has forsaken me Timothy having loved this present world what a testimony to leave behind in the letter before that that he wrote 1 Timothy 6.10 Paul makes this statement the love of money is the root of all evil the love of money is the root of all evil I remember many years ago when I was in college I'm working down with a group called open air campaigners on Hollywood Boulevard this is on a Friday or a Saturday night and I'm talking to a guy about the gospel and this guy says yeah and the Bible says Money is the root of all evil. And I was just kind of upholding, keeping my end of the conversation going, and just minor correction. Well, actually, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This guy got mad. <laughs> he got mad. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, here's a sore spot in your soul. He put his finger on it. Because it was very easy for this fellow, just based on his appearance, I could say he didn't have a lot of money. So it was very easy for him to turn around and look at the wealthy people and say, look at that, they're money, they're evil, obviously, because they have money. No, it's the love of money. Aha! You can be a beggar and have as much of a love of money as the man at the top of the tower. And this guy, the whole, I mean, when I saw, this guy's reaction was like, what? My response was like, 
whoa, the Holy Spirit sure hit his sore spot because he was a man filled with jealousy because he, he didn't have money, but he sure did love it. And the Holy Spirit, he just opened that door and the Holy Spirit, boing. What does Jesus say here? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Is it wise to invest in something that is going to rot or rust? I think just asking the question answers it. Of course it's not wise. That's not a good long-term investment. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Thieves don't have access to heaven's treasure room. Moths don't have access to heaven's treasure room. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now my temptation is to say, and all God's people said amen and goodbye. Let me tell you, you know what the most important thing in this world to have, folks, is, folks? Is you need to have stored in the corner of your garage a whole collection of cast iron skillets. And cast iron, to, oh, and not just any brand. No, 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 no. You need to have the Griswold brand of cast iron skillets. The Griswold brand dating from the large logo. On the bottom of the skillet, it's the large logo, and they were made from about 1927 till 1939. And that is the best ever. And so you need to go on eBay, and when you go to the cast iron section, that's what you need to be looking for. And so what you need is what I have, a number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, number eight, and number nine size cast iron skillet and the, the large logo Griswold. And oh, by the way, the tight top, which is their, their version of the uh, Dutch oven, you need to have one of those too. Those things are, you know what? I bought one of those for 55 bucks back about 1998. I went home. And I'm thinking, I think this is a Griswold thing because it just says tight top. And I got on, they were already selling. I paid 55 bucks. They were already in 1998 selling for $300 on eBay. And you need to have that. And you, I mean, you need to treasure that. We won't even, oh, no, don't talk guns. That's way too convicting. Right, Harold? Right, that's way too convicting. Okay. You don't treasure stuff that can rust. You don't treasure stuff that can be stolen. As Martin Luther said, whatever I've given to God, I still have. Whatever I've tried to keep for myself is gone. That great missionary to China with the perfect missionary name, Jonathan Goforth, 
said, I've learned to hold the things of this world loosely because when I grip them tight, it hurts my fingers when God, because of his great love for me, pries my fingers away. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We pray for the persecuted, which is absolutely what we ought to do. But you know what? One of the advantages of the persecuted, one of the advantages of, the, of those who have had everything they own ripped away from them, one of the advantages of people who are sitting in a cell or a dungeon, having lost every material thing they have, is that they own, and all they have is Jesus, they have the only thing you need. And they are, in fact, in the place of where they can be blessed and experience the blessing and presence of God. I just love that testimony of Richard Wormbrand, who in a Romanian prison in the late 40s, and really he was there for 12 to 14 years. Most of the time, the church in Romania thought he was dead. But he said, we would be in the dungeon. He said, I remember the day the wall of my dungeon started to waver, and suddenly Jesus walked into my cell. And all the cells down that block, which were all dedicated Christians, Jesus met with us that day. It had never happened in his pastorate before, this Jewish businessman who had become a Christian. But here he was with nothing except Jesus in all of his fullness. And I would dare say he would say, I'll take that. And we ought to be able to say, Amen. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, functioning properly, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is, dar is darkness, how great is that darkness? And we look at, as people who ought to be oriented from God's word, we can look at people, and there are people in this world that the world says uh, they are incredibly blessed, and yet from a Bible standpoint, we'll look at them, and we see massive destruction. Look at all these people who are called celebrities who are walking in mindless idiocy from the standpoint of God's word. And yet they live in mansions. They live in mansions and they have all this attention. Their names are known around the world. But what they value is passing away. It's foolishness. Better to admire a Richard Wormbrandt and what he 
received by God's favor in a dungeon versus what is the experience of someone in a mansion. There's nothing wrong with mansions. There's nothing wrong with gold. There's nothing wrong with silver. There's nothing wrong with any of this stuff unless you make it your treasure, unless you make it your idol. Hold the things of this world loosely. Be willing to give them up. Jesus has said earlier, that you are to give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. That's holding the things of this world loosely. Sir, may I have your car? I beg your pardon? May I have your car? Lord, is that wisdom? Is that truly serving this fellow? And if Jesus says yes, what do you do? You give it. Someone says, I want, may I borrow this? May I borrow that uh, number eight Griswold skillet that you have? Yes, you may. Yes, you may. Hold the things of this world loosely. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. And if it is otherwise, you're filling yourself with darkness. And so we look at, and as Christians who are informed by God's word, we look at so many of these people that are well-known around the world that have all the material possessions, that have influence, that have recognition, and yet they're in a ghastly place. They don't know that they are, but they are. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either you, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. God does not say, okay, yes, I'm recruiting you for my, for my army, but you can just take off and do your other stuff anytime you like. No, when you get recruited, the ownership of who you are passes to Jesus. When you get recruited by him, you become his. Now, you're stepping into kingdom blessing. You're stepping into kingdom blessing when he draws you out. When he draws you out. I just read a story. This is an amazing story. I just read this yesterday. A true story of a fellow who was raised in Russia and he was a big husky bear of a guy and he was in the Russian army he had never actually been in a battle World War II is over and they split Germany and he's on the border between East Germany and West Germany and he's up in this tower with a machine gun and he's got this guy fellow Russian soldier that's with him this drunk all the time constantly just drinking himself into oblivion 
And so he's sitting there watching. And right on the other side of the fence is this road. And these West German farmers keep driving up and down the road with their trucks filled with vegetables and fruit. And this is an old Russian farm, uh, young Russian farm guy. And he's looking at this. My Stalinist masters tell me that they are the poor benighted people who are being taken advantage of by the wicked capitalists. But I see their trucks overloaded <laughs> with vegetables. And one day, one of these trucks stopped and three German farm boys get out. And see, there's a bunch of mines there between the, the tower and the fence where the West German road is on the other side. And they get out and they start throwing potatoes into the minefield trying to set off mines. They just think this is hilarious. And he's watching them. He's expecting none of the mines go off, which really surprised him because sometimes they just go off on their own. And then after these boys, they got back in the truck and drove away. Well, his uh, the other guy in the tower is sleeping off a, a stupor. So he gets down out of the tower. and He goes out into the minefield to collect the potatoes. He's endangering his mind, his life, to pick up potatoes. And he picks them up. They are better than the, this is a Russian farm boy. They are better than the best potatoes he's ever seen in his life. And they're the ones these guys threw over the gate, over the fence. So he, and he's got them stuffed into his blouse, and this guy comes riding his bicycle along the road. And he goes up to the fence, and he starts talking. Well, this guy is a Russian-speaking guy who's a refugee from Ukraine. So this guy stops, and he is running a factory over here. And so they, and the guy loves spy novels. So they set up this thing where this guy, he's going to help this guy escape. And so about two weeks later, they do it. They succeed in helping him to escape because the guy puts some wire clippers through the fence and all that, you know, a couple weeks later, and this guy makes his way out. And so he escapes the Russian army in the Russian area, and he gets sponsored by the British. He goes, he's moved to Scotland. And he starts, goes from learning, he starts learning he's English with a Scottish brogue. And it's all kind of, well, then the, the fellow who's writing the story, and it's a true story, meets his son later because the guy meets this Greek woman while he's learning English. Here's this young lady who's from Greece, whose parent, whose family fled a civil war going on in Greece. And she's this big husky gal. And he's this big husky guy, and they get married, and their son is named Kali. And he's named that because he resembles the, Rush, the, the Scottish Collies <laughs> that are just so hairy. And so, and he said, this is the hairiest person I ever knew in my, I saw in my life. Anyways, but this guy, what did he do? He saw just potatoes. And that was enough to incite him to come over. But you can't serve two masters. You've got to decide, who am I going to serve? You know who has the potatoes that are the glory potatoes? It's the God of heaven and earth. 
You know who has the place that is the place of true blessing and safety? It is the God of heaven and earth. There is nothing this world has to offer that can even compare with that. That's what we have in our God. We're coming to the Lord's table. What does Jesus say? This is my body broken for you. This is the king who has come and made the way for us to become citizens of his kingdom. He allowed his body to be broken. He is the Holy One. This cup is the new covenant promised 600 years ago through Jeremiah. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. We're going to institute the promised new covenant. Your sins and iniquities will be remembered no more. I will walk you into this kingdom. Don't cheat yourself by hanging on to the things of this world. You can't take it with you. And the day is coming when you're going to be standing in heaven, looking back at your earthly walk and just going, oh my goodness, <laughs> what was I thinking? But start renewing your mind now so that there will not be the regrets then. Bob and Darren, would you join me?